You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. that his boss says, put his whole faith in Abner, not the Lord. You put your faith in a man and you will be disappointed. You will lose heart because when the man's gone, you're left on your own. Put your faith in a man and you'll be in trouble. Put your faith in Jesus Christ, the God man. Put your faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He'll never leave nor forsake you. And you'll always have an advocate. You'll always have someone on your side. You'll always have someone you can go to, always. When you're in a tense situation, it's so easy to rely on people to help you through it. However, as Pastor Dave teaches today, when you put your hope in a person, you'll always be disappointed. Only the Lord is faithful, strong, and reliable. Men will fail, but God will not. Your only hope is in the Lord. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 4, as he begins his message, The End of the Flesh. You are Second Samuel 4 is where we'll be. There are 12 verses in 2 Samuel. So um, look to that, please. 2 Samuel 4. Well, you know we've been studying 2 Samuel. And you know that David has been anointed king of Judah, which is only one tribe out of the eleven. He's been anointed, and it happens to be the biggest tribe. It covers the most landmass of all the tribes. But he has been anointed king of Judah. And since that has happened, the entire country has been unsettled. There's been an upheaval, if you will. Abner, the commander of Saul's army, took Saul's son, Ishbaseth, and made him king over the other 11 countries, or 11 tribes, forming the nation Israel. So you have two nations, Judah, under the direction of King David, and you have Israel under the monarchy of Saul, which is Ispaseth. So this caused bitter contention between the house of David and the house of Saul, and it continued, and it broke out into basically a civil war. Brother fighting against brother. Jew fighting against Jew. It was a sad time. This war broke out. You know that during this time, Abner killed Joab's brother, Ashiel. He killed him. They called some sort of a weak truce. And as they did, David grew stronger and the house of Saul grew weaker. During all this time, we read that David was busy collecting wives and having children. He's a busy man. So Abner saw the end of Saul's kingdom. Abner had the foreknowledge to see the end of Saul's kingdom, so he goes to David and basically makes a peace offering that he wants to be on David's side. He wants to come and be with David, and he wants to help David to obtain kingship over the entire nation by joining them together. 
Remember when we started 2 Samuel, we said it was a book of restoration. It was God's plan that the nations be joined together, that there be one nation under God, if you will. It was going to be one nation, and David saw the chance to do this. Plus, David had a great heart. David had a wonderful heart, and he allowed Abner to come in, and they made this covenant. They made this covenant together. Abner knew he was on the wrong side, and he wanted to be a winner, so he came over to David's side and asked if he could join and bring them. And he gave David the caveat as, if I come over, I will bring all of Israel with me. That was the caveat towards David. When David's commander of his army, a man named Joab, who happened to be David's nephew, when he found out about this, he was enraged. He was incensed. He wanted revenge for the death of his brother that Abner had killed. So he lures Abner outside a city of refuge so that he might have his way, seek his revenge, and he kills Abner. Abner dies. David is beside himself with mourning. That's the way David was. He didn't consider anyone his enemy. He knew that they were all brothers. They knew they were all brothers of the Jewish religion, of the Jewish faith, of the Jewish nation. They were all one. And David was very, very upset. So he causes this great time of mourning. The people know that David's innocent of Abner's death. And David curses the family of Joab. He curses them. So when I studied this, and I started looking at all these kind of things, and you know my mind gets kind of weird sometimes, I see a similarity to our Christian life. As I stated many, many, many times, the Christian life is not a playground. The Christian life is a battlefield. It's a battlefield. Indeed, there is a civil war raging in each and every one of us. There is a civil war raging. It is between our flesh and our spirit. And it rages on for control of this body, control of this body that we now have. Just like the civil war that went on between David and Ishbaseth. Now, if you look at it the way I'm looking at, Ishbaseth represents the flesh, where David represents the spirit in this bitter conflict. Why do we, as Christians, do everything we can to prop up our flesh? Why do we constantly think there is something good within me that I need to hang on to? Why do we do that? I mean, we're no different. I do that. We all think that there's something good inside me that I need to keep and I need to hold on to. I mean, I want to preserve my rights. I want my way at least part of the time. I want to keep these kind of things, but I want to keep them at any cost, including my relationship with my Lord. Paul said, reckon the old man dead. Have no confidence in your flesh. Don't give your flesh an ounce, because he'll take a mile. The flesh is crazy. The battle rages on. You know, we attend church. We listen to the word being taught, but yet... We fondly and willingly hold on to these things that God wants to crucify. No, let me take it back. That God did crucify on the cross. These things are all gone. But I cling to them. Oh, I like them. I want to cling to them instead of allowing them to be crucified with Christ. 
God will never force you to give up the flesh. He won't force you to give up the flesh. That's something that you must do willingly. Offer yourselves as the living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, but this is your reasonable service. Where it will become a willing sacrifice only through the blood of Jesus Christ. Only through his blood do we become a living sacrifice. We must yield to the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to mold us and shape us because that's what the whole, one of the Holy Spirit's job. One of the Holy Spirit's job is to mold us and shape us into the image of Jesus Christ. And it's working in us. And that's why people say we're under construction. I'm not there yet. Even Paul said, I haven't attained that which I've been apprehended for. I haven't attained it. I haven't gotten there. But I'm a work in progress. The Lord is working in me. And hopefully, you can sit here and look back on your life, even weeks ago or months ago, and you can see small changes. You can see small changes as you go through this life, as the Lord continues to conform you into his image and give you victory over the flesh. Because victory over the flesh has been won on a cross. And it's already given to you through Jesus Christ. We need to take it and say, thank you, Lord, and believe it. And what we like to say lately, settle it. Settle it. It's finished. It's done. Flesh has been defeated. And when we do that, blessings come our way. But it's up to us to die to our flesh. Die to self. Jesus' own words. If any man come after me, he must deny himself. Deny himself. Pick up his cross and follow me. Deny himself. When we refuse to give up the flesh, sometimes God shelves us. He puts us on the shelf. He can't use us if we're too fleshly. He can't use us too fleshly. One commentator put it like this. I love this. Quote, down with Satan, up with Jesus as Lord. Down with the usurper, up with the redeemer. Off the throne of sin himself, and on the throne with our wonderful Lord. I love that. I love that. We need to have that mindset. That should be our mindset. That should be our mindset. I love it. You know, we're in a great battle, as I said, the flesh and the spirit. But we need to know who is victor here. You know, my Lord Jesus Christ has never lost a battle. He has never lost a battle. And he was victorious even on a cross when Satan thought he'd won. When Satan said, oh, I got you now. They're going to nail you to that cross. He was not defeated. He died and then he rose again. Death was defeated. Satan was defeated on that cross. I love that. He never lost the battle. Why do we try to hold up our flesh when it has been defeated on a cross? Why do we try to make perfect in the flesh what God wants to make perfect in his spirit? God wants to make us perfect in his spirit. But for some reason, we offer our flesh. And you know what? We're no different than Abraham. We're no different than Abraham at all. Abraham went into his maidservant with Hagar at his wife's request. They had a child. His name was Ishmael. And Ishmael represents the flesh. Ishmael represents everything of the flesh. And when Ishmael was 13 years old, God gave Abraham a promise. You're going to have a child in your old age. You're going to have a child by Sarah. And what was Abraham's response? Oh, that Ishmael may walk before you. And God basically said, no way. Ishmael represents the flesh. God will never redeem your flesh. He will never recognize anything done in the flesh. He will not redeem it at all. He won't redeem it. We need to give the flesh up. Reckon it dead. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the 
flesh. So chapter 3 ends, and David thought he was weak because of the actions of his nephews. He thought he was weak because they went and took upon themselves, or one of them did, to kill this Abner guy, and David didn't seem to have any control, and he seemed to be weak. He was mourning. He wasn't weak power-wise and strong-wise, but he thought he was viewed of as weak. But in Israel, the situation became much worse. At the house of Ishbaseth, it became much, much worse. So let's look at verse 1 in chapter 4. When Saul's son, that's Ishbaseth, heard that Abner had died in Hebron, he lost heart, and all Israel was troubled. Look at that. So we begin, and here we see Ishbaseth's reaction to the news that Abner, his general, had been killed. It's interesting that he loses heart. It's like the air was just sucked out of him. The wind was sucked out of him. He's like, oh, what am I going to do now? What am I going to do now? He loses heart. What is he going to do without Abner? He said, I must be doomed without Abner. What does that tell you? Does that tell you anything? It tells me that his boss has put his whole faith in Abner, not the Lord. You put your faith in a man and you will be disappointed. You will lose heart because when the man's gone, you're left on your own. Put your faith in a man, and you'll be in trouble. Put your faith in Jesus Christ, the God-man. Put your faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He'll never leave nor forsake you. And you'll always have an advocate. You'll always have someone on your side. You'll always have someone you can go to. Always. But too many of us prop up men. We prop up men. Too many of us want to put somebody on a pedestal. I don't know why we want to do this. Sometimes I think we want to put them on a pedestal so that we can knock them down. It makes us feel better. We put them up on a pedestal. If you're worshiping a man, if you're worshiping a pastor, if you're worshiping someone other than God, you're worshiping the wrong thing. God deserves your worship. Jesus deserves your worship. He and he alone deserves your worship. No man ever deserves our worship. Now, we look up to certain men, even the apostles, I'm thinking of a time when Paul, and I forget the context, but when Paul was, was, they thought he and I think it was Silas. I'm going to guess they thought he was Hermes. They thought they were Jupiter. They thought they were gods. And Paul says, "Get out of here! I'm a man. What are you doing? Get away from me! Don't set me up for worship. Get away from me! Don't worship a man because men fail and will always fail. Don't put your trust in man instead of our Lord." When man is gone, so is all your hope. Put your trust in Jesus Christ, in him alone, and you will always be victorious. Always be victorious. David was a great warrior. This is one of the reasons why Ishbaseth was so troubled. David was a great warrior. And David had a gift of leadership. David knew how to lead. He's a wonderful example for us. Where Ishbaseth, what was he? It was the puppet of Abner. Abner pulled the strings. Abner was the one, remember, way back in the earlier chapters, it was Abner who made Ishbaseth king. He propped them up. He made them. He made him king. It wasn't the Lord put Ishbaseth up there. Even the people knew that Abner's death meant the end of Ishbaseth's reign as king. They even knew it. And it says all Israel was troubled. They knew. They knew there was a big end. In fact, 
They might have speculation. They might have expected David to ride in with his horsemen and take over. They might expect that there would be an attack of some sort where David, David might have seen a vulnerability and said, you know, we got him, let's go. But that's not David's style. David always waits for God to move. He waits for God to move in this situation. So, Ishbosheth is troubled, and all of Israel is troubled. He lost heart. He doesn't, he's beside himself. What's going to happen now? Let's look at verses 2 to 4. Now, Saul's son had two men who were captains of troops. The name of one was Bana, Bana, and the name of the other was Rechab, the sons of Rimen, the Berothite, of the children of Benjamin, for Beroth also was part of Benjamin. And it's important they were from Benjamin because that was the tribe that Saul was from. Saul was from Benjamin, so Ishbosheth was a Benjamite. So it's important to know that. Because of the Berothites fled to Githam and had been sojourners until this day. Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son who was lame in his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel, and his nurse took him up and fled. And it happened, as she made haste to flee, he fell and became lame. His name was Meshivasheth. So we're introduced to new players in this crazy drama. We're introduced to two new guys. We're introduced to Bana and Rechab. These two men want to take things in their own hands. They think that they're doing the Lord a favor, and they're going to help the Lord out. They're going to help the Lord out. They're going to take things in their own hand, and then they're going to go try to score points with David because of what they've done. He's not a good thing to do that. Not a good thing to do that, as we'll see. We also meet Jonathan's son, Meshibetheth. He was the last male descendant of Saul, and he really had a strong legal claim to the throne. He really, really had a strong legal claim to the throne. But he was only 12 years old, and he was lame. Lame on something that wasn't his fault. It wasn't his fault. That's why they said he was weak. He was weak because of circumstances beyond his control. His nurse grabbed him, fearing for their lives, and as she was running, she dropped him, he fell, and he became lame from an injury. When we get several chapters down the road, we're going to look at this gentleman again. We're going to see him again, so keep his name in your mind when we get there. Okay? So we're introduced to this new set of characters coming in. This new set of characters. All right? Let's look at 5 through 7. Then the sons of Rimen, the Beroite, Rechab, and Benah, set out and came at the heat of the day to, his, to the house of Ishbaseth who was lying on his bed at noon. And they came there all the way into the house as though to get wheat, and they stabbed him in the stomach. Then Rechab and Benah, his brother, escaped. For when they came into the house, he was lying on his bed in his bedroom. Then they struck him and killed him, beheaded him, and took his head, and were all night escaping through the plain. So these guys come in, and they do this dastardly deed. They sneak into the house, claiming that they're hungry, that they're searching for food. They find the king lying in his bed. It's the heat of the day. It's probably noon. He's lying in his bed, and they commit murder. They stab him, and they take his head. Swell guys. Good guys. 
Why was he lying in his bed at noon? We're not really told why he was lying in his bed at noon. I have a couple suggestions that I'm going to throw out there. It's not scripture, but I have a couple suggestions that I'll throw out there. Number one, you've heard of the siesta. In Europe, people take siestas. They go to they, they sleep at various times during the day. And though he might have been taking a siesta for all I know. For me, my take on it, and it's my take, it's not scripture, because we don't really know. But because he lost heart, I think he was kind of lying in his bed and didn't really know what to do. I think he was just kind of there going, you know what I mean? How you get so upset, you kind of just kind of want to lie around, you want to get out of bed, you know? I think the end's near, and he's kind of like, oh, what am I going to do now? You know what I mean? Now, you guys may have never been like that, but I've been like that before, where you can't even get out of bed. You know, it's like, oh, my, what am I going to do? I, I kind of think that's it. But again, it's not scripture, so we can't make it, uh, we can't be, make it be dogmatic about it. But it's interesting that this gentleman, this Ishbaseth, is killed. Now, keeping with, let's go back to my battle between the flesh and the spirit, okay? Before David could become king, the flesh had to be cut off. Let me think of it that way. Before David could rise to the throne, the flesh of the nation had to be cut off. And Ishbaseth represents the flesh, and David represents the spirit. Naturally, the flesh had to be cut off. And this brings me to something that also struck my heart. In Romans 2, in the verse 29, Actually, I'm going to read 28 and 29. It says, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. Circumcision in the heart must be cut off. The heart, the circumcision of the heart, the fleshly part of the heart needs to be cut away with. We need to do away with it. Why is God so interested in our heart? Why is God so interested in our heart? He even says David is a man after his own heart. Why is God so interested in our heart? Well, we know from 1 Samuel 16, 7, that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks upon the heart when he sees things. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Interesting. Out of it are the issues of life. Jesus said this about the heart in Matthew 15.19. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, fault witnesses, and blasphemies. Gee, I thought they came from my mind. No, they come from your heart. They come from your heart. Jesus is saying that. He says in Luke 6.45, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the hearth, the mouth speaks. We read and studied Romans 10. We read and we studied Romans 10 when Paul said, if you want to be saved, you must confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised them from the dead. Believe in your heart. You are We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you, but that's all we have time for today on Assure Hope. We'd like to invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. 
There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. You can explore more of this series in 2 Samuel or jump to another book of the Bible. Each one gives unique insight into God's plan for you and this world you live in. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. In this busy world, setting time aside to study the Bible in depth is difficult. So we'd like to make that just a bit easier. By subscribing to our podcast, you'll have sound biblical teachings sent right to your smartphone or computer. What a great way to infuse your day with God's Word. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you join us for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 10 a.m., and you can find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. We're gathering in person, but we understand if you're not comfortable with that yet. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live. Just follow the link at assurehoperadio.com. We look forward to worshiping with you, either in person or virtually this weekend. That's all we have time for today. Tune in next time to continue this study in the book of 2 Samuel, right here on Assure Hope.